You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt Vanderlist. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 39 for July 15th, 2008. I'm Mark Spagnolo. I'm Matt Vanderlist. You know what? Of course, if you ever have any comments, some questions, you're going to hear something today that you, you're dying to tell us, you know, that we're wrong or that you were absolutely right. <laughs> that I, never happens, Matt. <laughs> it never does. I, 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 I got to get a better filter. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you can email us. You, you, you can get us a hold of us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you know what? You can pick up your phone and leave us a message at 623-242-2450 and leave us a nice voicemail where you could easily tell us, you know, how much you think that we're the coolest people in the world. Not like we don't already know it, but it's nice to hear it. Once <laughs> we <again>. totally <laughs> are. Totally. Uh, so, hey, man, what what's going on in the shop? You, you finished the bookcase, right? Yep, that's all done. In fact, and the last episode was just posted. Sweet. And what's in uh, what's in the shop right now? Well, right now, I'm actually, I, I just finished it up, and again, I managed to actually document something. Sweet. So there should be like a big applause or something for that one, because it almost <laughs> never happened. Trying to get this roll going, we'll see if it continues. But what I did was, I, I had actually mentioned this, um, I'm trying to think, I had emailed with a few people, I know I think I had mentioned it to you too, that my, my workbench top was the funniest thing, and you'll see this in the video, it had this horrible dip in it. And anytime you try to use like a hand plane or pretty much any tool where you want something nice and flat to be the end result of working on your boards, <laughs> a dip really doesn't help out a lot. <laughs> no, usually not. Yeah, so I figured, you know what, it, it's time to, I tried shimming it up a little bit and the, the board was just, the, the tabletop was just way too thick for it. So I just said, you know, it's, it's time to just replace it. It was an old like laminate basically, an old melamine top anyway. So okay. It was it was great for getting the glue off because nothing stuck to it, but that was about it. <laughs> so I was debating, you know, am I, am I going to use a solid wood? I mean, I've got, you know, Chris Schwartz's uh, a, you know workbench book. Everybody's talking about what they're going to make it out of, maple. Are we going to make it out of, you know, southern yellow pine or whatever? Right. I was kind of throwing all those ideas out there, and what I came up with was plywood. <laughs> <laughs> nice, simple, construction-grade plywood that I picked up at the local home center. Already you know flat? <laughs> well, yeah, as long as you dug through the piles, covered <laughs> the ones on the very top. <laughs> right, right. You had the guy come over and like, you know, hey, uh, what's your name? Mike? What? What? Okay, you, just pick up that and help me get this loaded up here. And I got the free two cuts. You know, you always get two free cuts with every sheet of plywood. Right. Had, cut it to about basically the size that I needed. And then actually sandwiched a couple together. And the end result was that it, it actually, it works. It works pretty great so far. I've got bench dog holes in it. I've got everything set up. And so it looks, when you're looking straight down from the top, looks like a nice solid piece of wood there. Like a right. nice big solid edge. But that, that plywood, is, it's, it's definitely, it's going to hold out really great. And the nice thing about it, really, if you think about it, is that when it really kind of wears out, hey, it's only plywood. It cost me like, you know, 20, 30 bucks to get the sheet. I can, as soon as I beat it up enough, I can rip it off there and go get another one and I'm all set. Well, totally. You know, there's something to be said about the, you know, making a bench out of plywood or even like a solid core door, uh, something like that. It's just, it's, um, it's durable. It's flat to begin with, you know, who knows if it's absolutely dead flat, but certainly flat enough. Right. And, uh, low cost, durable. And I mean, if you, if you trim it out, right, it's going to look pretty close to solid wood, at least, you know, with full most people. Yo, I actually almost thought about going as far as trying to fool everybody with like a veneer around the edge. But <laughs> <laughs> I figured if everybody was already watching and they saw that it was plywood anyways, that I didn't need to go that far. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the nice thing about it is it still has that stability. It's got the weight on there, especially if you're using hand tools. Totally. And, and, but the main thing was that cost. You know, a lot of times 
I mean, I'm going to beat the living daylights out of this thing anyways, and eventually I still am planning on making more of a traditional workbench. Sure. But for now, this this totally fills the need that I have. Well, it's so all about it, utility. I mean, it's serving a purpose, and uh, it's not costing very much money, so you can't you just can't beat that. Exactly. That That's the main thing right now. In the Vanderlust household, there is, you know, a finite amount of money, and somehow it's not getting filtered into the shop. I got to talk to the family. About that. <laughs> you got to start to div- uh, divert some of the budget toward <laughs> toward the shop a little bit more. Um, yeah, what do you mean they need school clothes? Hey, we've got another couple of months before they worry about that, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, I I remember you know, a few months ago there was an article in one of the magazines about building a plywood only bench, and I think if I remember correctly, there. The guy was even using, like, for the legs, building these big, substantial, thick legs out of multiple cores of plywood and just sandwiched them all together to make, like, these big 4 by 4 honking legs. Um, I might be making that up, but I'm pretty sure I remember that being in a magazine at one point. Um, oh, I, I remember seeing that, too, because I remember it was just, like, one of those. Now, there is... That's a... Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can't remember which magazine it was, but I do remember seeing that one. Yeah, see? Yeah, so, was- so you're not crazy. That's the good thing. Well, that's you know, like I read. You know, no, people tell me that all the time, but I don't believe it because little voices in my head are like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right." So, so what's going on in the uh, Wood Whisperer workshop? There, it sounds like we got something about like a gadget station. Yeah, you know, the the gadget station is going to be the uh, the focus for the next. Well, I hope to have it done by the time uh, we go to IWF in August. I don't want to drag it on that that late, but if we can, we'll get it done sooner. Uh, but right now, we gave it a little acclimation time, and there are a few aspects of that that I wanted to discuss that I've gotten to at this point with the project that I, I thought might be kind of interesting. Uh, first of all, the wood coming from, um, I can't remember where the heck it is, but it's from Bell Forest Products. I think they're in, uh, you might have heard of this place. I think it's Michigan. Uh, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. I think they're across the lake from me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, they're in Michigan and obviously different climate from there to, to here in Arizona. So, um, yeah, if I remember right, I think they're actually in the UP. So yeah, that's a ginormous difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So sorry, Nicole just sneezed. It completely distracted me for a moment. Um, I'm not used to doing the show with someone else in the room. So the uh, yeah, so the wood already comes. You know, it's kiln dried, so it's ready to work. If I were in a more humid environment, and uh, since I'm not, it, it's a kind of a dilemma. Like, do I work it right away? Do I let it sit for a couple weeks and acclimate? When in reality, we have to think about where is this final piece of furniture going? It's going to Northern California, you know, and it's obviously a little bit more humid there. So maybe the best thing to do is to take the tactic that. I should start working it sooner than later and just make sure I get the project where it needs to go as soon as possible. Uh, you know, instead of just waiting a, a real long time for it to come down to what my wood in my shop normally is at, which is pretty much undetectable on a moisture meter. <laughs> so yeah. it's like just, just this side of dust, basically, is what uh, you're saying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it always it always surprises. Well, I guess it shouldn't surprise me. I live in the desert, but every time I, I jam the little moisture meter in there, I get nothing on my stuff, so... Uh, it's a little dry, Matt. A little bit dry. Yeah, definitely the opposite of here. In fact, yeah. actually, the UP for me is still like one of those. I've got to wait a week or so if something like that comes down from there. Because I think this time of year, I think they're down to about a quarter of inches of snow. Maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So they're they're like I said, their stuff is is about reading about eight percent. Um, you know, like like I said, mine doesn't read at all. So so that was one concern, and I'm thinking the best bet is probably to. Um, to, to jump into it and start working right away. So, of course, now the point is 
I've got all these big boards, and now I need to lay out the pieces and how to cut them out of these larger pieces. So that's part of what I go over in, in the video that I filmed is how to decide on, you know, looking at some of the grain, moving around defects, and that that it's more than just you get a pile of wood, you, you mark out your, your parts, and then you just glue this thing together. And I was trying to trying to think in my head when when it was in, in my, you know, career as a woodworker, as a hobbyist, I learned that it's more than just a pile of boards being assembled into a final piece of furniture that you actually have to look at the grain, you know? And um, I remember kind of being disappointed. Like, I thought I had it all down. I thought I understood how to build. And then someone throws in this other, you know, throws me another curve and says, no, 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 you actually have to <laughs> you have to look at the grain and the color and all this other stuff, and not everything is going to work, you know? Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, and I'm still in that learning phase, so I'm kind of, as you're saying this, I'm taking notes. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, and I actually forget a lot of the time. You know, there's a whole lot of time. Let's, uh, I'm going to have to pause this. I can't do two things at once, hon. Um, where are all the drumsticks? Oh, I thought you meant like a real drumstick. You're talking about the ice cream cones. Yes. I ate them all. Jesus. You know what? I'm not going to cut this out of the show because this is funny. She was gone for a week, right? And and we bought like one of those big boxes of drumsticks from Costco or Sam's right? Club. I had two on one day. The rest of the time I had one per day. I mean, who's going to... Way bigger than mine is, man. They would have been gone one day. <laughs> I mean, they're drumsticks, for God's sake. Who's going to let them sit in the freezer? Let's go to Sam's Club and get you a fresh one. <laughs> My goodness. Back to woodworking, folks. Um, so, the anyway, yeah. So, the point is, I still forget sometimes. I still will rush through a project and look at the end product and go, man, you know, I probably could have come up with a better grain flow than I did, or maybe I could have color matched those boards a little bit better. Um, but it's definitely a learning experience for you to, to to realize that there is a next level thing that you need to do besides picking the board, cutting it, and putting it into the final piece of furniture. Right, absolutely. You know, I, Like I said, I, I still, honest to goodness, I, I struggle with that all the time. And one problem I always run to is you know, I, I'll admit it. For the longest time, I built a ton of stuff out of pine, and now I'm starting to move into <clears throat> into frog territory. Apparently, apparently, excuse me, <laughs> but uh, um, I'm starting to move into some more like domestic hardwoods. Especially cherries become a, a, a big one that I love right now. And anybody that's worked with cherry, you know that there's a huge distinction between the sapwood and the heartwood. Mm-hmm. And especially as it starts to age, that distinction becomes even even more prominent. In oh, fact, yeah. actually. You know, I, I noticed it with Aiden's dresser. There were a few of them when I first finished it. And I'm like, oh, that, that looks perfect. That looks perfect. And now the more I'm looking at it, I'm like, where did that streak come from? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's bitten a, a many a woodworker in the butt a couple years later. Um, now, see, the interesting thing is some people hate that. Some people want to hide it, you know, maybe use dyes to kind of get the color where uh, closer to um, what it's going to be in a few years. But um do, where do you fall on that? Do you not like it? Would you purposely avoid getting like sapwood in the final piece, or would you think it's okay to incorporate it? I actually, I actually really, really like it. If if I'm building something for someone who who definitely I know for a fact is a little like persnickety, maybe if that's the right term, uh-huh. or, you know, they 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 just wouldn't dig it. Maybe their OCD is way ten times worse than mine is. <laughs> yeah. I'll try to avoid it. But I, I I have this thing, and I was I was talking to my wife about it, and and. Thank goodness for me. She just loves like country look, you know. It just she, she loves that just the imperfections, and right. I, I love finding pieces that have like the oddest grain pattern to them, 
or have this like weird imperfection to them that I, I know I can work with and, and throw them into the middle of it. And that includes even like mixing like sapwood and, and heartwood. Sure. You know, I try to try to make it look so that it's not like, you know, like zebra striped or something. Right. But at the same time, I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think it's I think it's really another thing that makes home woodworking you know, really, really unique. It's the fact that you can do this. You're not going to find something like that in a big store. There's no way in the world they would go for something like that. Yeah, exactly. And it is amazing how with cherry, which is, you, you just envision cherry in very elegant pieces and, um, you know, you could very easily put it into modern furniture and it looks great. But as soon as you start putting some of that, you know, the lighter streaks in there, it does give it a much more rustic sort of look to it, you know, and, and I, th- I think it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's. I think the same is even true for like maple. I know you can like spend a ton of money making sure that you get specific, you know, white, you know, white white material or something. If that's what you want to go for. But I'm like, dude, give me the rustic stuff that just looks so neat. I mean, that just absolutely you can really, really work with it. Totally, totally. All right, well, let's jump into uh, another great little feature of ours that I love is around the web, where we point out uh, different websites, different uh, just things that are going on around the web that you probably want to know about. And the first one, and uh, this is becoming a big thing, I, I've noticed for a lot of us. Uh, it started off, I think, with the blogging group of people, and now it's really expanding uh, tremendously, and that is Twitter. And yes. if you're not familiar with Twitter, it's kind of like a micro-blogging platform of sorts where with a limited amount of space, what do they give you, like 100 characters, 140 characters or something? Yep. Yeah, um, spaces and, and uh, what exclamation points, whatever you need, are thrown in there too. So right. use them wisely. Yeah, exactly. So you have a very limited amount of space to type of message, and generally the intention is to say, "Here's what I'm doing right now," and it because it just becomes so much more useful when lots of people you know are using it. And now there's probably a good dozen or so of us woodworkers who are using the program, and it becomes kind of like getting status updates on your friends and what they're doing, where they are, what they're working on. Even if you have to ask a question or announce that you're doing something on your website right now, come check it out. And it just becomes more and more useful the more of us uh, are that are on it. So... Um, what what do you think about the whole thing? Because you're relatively new to it, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know that was funny because I think it was Dave Knopf actually that pulled me into it. Cause yeah. He mentioned on his website on his show that was like you know everybody's there except for Matt <laughs> right. <He's> out again. <laughs> you know, so I, I ended up going there. I'm like, that's it. I'm I'm getting in with the click. You know, and I got and, and to be honest with you, I feel like it's it's one of those. I almost feel like I don't have to put a show out anymore because I'm just having so much fun. It's like, whatever you want to know, I'm just going to put it right here. And yeah. I'm just kidding, though, folks. I'm not going to do that. But it is. It's a really neat kind of – like I think actually that's where the, the first time I had mentioned something about my, my workbench and I had said solid or plywood or something. I think I was just you know throwing stuff off the top of my head just to see what people would think or just – just to throw it out there just so I had my name out there. Right. Yeah, and then the response comes back immediately, and it just keeps on going on and on, and there's there's some pretty neat stuff that's coming out there. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's a blast, and if and if you're not, you know, not just for woodworking, if you have other family members that uh, want to keep tabs on you and, and just, you know, see what you're up to, it's, it's a great way to kind of communicate with people without email, without texting, you know, just it's a another way to communicate, and for a podcaster or a blogger, it's a fantastic way to sort of promote what you're doing, as long as you don't really want to overdo it because it, it floods people's um, you know stream with with all these things that they probably, if they wanted to know that you made a blog post, they would go to your website. Um, <laughs> but but you know that being said, a little um, you know judicious use of it is great. But for keeping in touch with friends, it's awesome. We're I mean we're all having a blast with it. So go uh, to what is it? Twitter.com is the website. 
Copy up. Yeah, you can bring it up, and you can do like just a simple search. Like I know myself, I'm MBW Podcast. Mm-hmm. I know an original name, but you know, hey, what are you gonna do? <laughs> right, I'm a Wood Whisperer, and what you the great thing that you can do is once you befriend or follow one of those people, like me or Matt, look at who we're following, and then you'll see a lot of the other, you know, Kaleo and and Dave and uh, uh, Martin's there from Lumberjacks. Yep, and, and uh, Splintered Splintered Board uh, is there, and uh, just a lot of people. So it's it's pretty fun. Go check it out. Definitely. Okay, right. who's next? There's a, there was another one that I, I have to put it this out there. I know we just had Safety Week. What? Holy cats! This is the middle of July. What? That was a, a while ago. I think it was April, yeah. April or May, right? Yeah, it was definitely a while ago. Well, of course, safety isn't just a one-time of year type of thing. It would be nice if it was, but you know, we all need to be reminded once in a while of what could happen in the worst-case scenario. So for those of you with a weak stomach, definitely don't check this out because there's some pretty <laughs> nasty photos up there. But I just kind of uh, flipping through the blogs and everything, doing a little Google search here and there, I found a, a website called uh, hewnandhammer.com. And, of course, we'll have a link for this in the show notes. And they have uh, the, the most recent blog that they have up there is a, what they call their little safety reminder. And essentially, it's like four or five thumbnails. When you first go to it, it's going to be kind of blurred out a little bit. But when you put your mouse over the top of it, you'll suddenly see what it is. And basically, um, a few people send in some pictures of thumb injuries with table saws. Ooh. And it's, it's more or less the after effects. The stitches are there, although one of them, it looks like that must have taken a picture like immediately. So I'm wondering what the reaction was. Oh, my God, I just cut myself. Where's the camera? <laughs> <laughs> right. Where's the camera? I've got to document this. Yeah, funny, look, this is so icky. Everybody's going to love this. Yeah. But it's definitely one of those things that to help remind you of what's going on out there, just to keep that in your mindset. That, so, yeah, yeah that, that's a good reminder. I mean, it's a, sometimes a painful reminder, but uh, I know that was really the inspiration and what spurred on the whole concept of Safety Week was seeing one of our viewers' uh, images of his injury. And I was just like, wow, that, that could be my hand. you know. And it, right. it really is a more sort of tangible thing that, that really just gets to you and, and makes you a little bit, you know, that much more aware of safety. So never a bad thing. It reminds thing. me of, uh, remember, like, I don't know about if your parents ever said anything about this. I know my mom always talked about when she took driver's ed. Like, they sat you down like, on the first couple of days and they showed you these movies that everybody was cl- you know, crawling out of the room, throwing up and stuff like that. <laughs> Blood like, on I the remember, highway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it's just, like some sort of like Tarantino movie or something, you know. And, <laughs> I'm like, my first day was like, you know, okay, who wants like a chocolate latte? You, 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 you. All right. Um, we'll go down the hall and get one. Right. So that was pretty much it. Yeah, totally. All right, uh, the next thing we wanted to talk about, we got a few of these here this week. Normally, we only have one, but um, this is a great website, and it's really more than just a website. He's another uh, video producer, and many of, you, many of you are probably already familiar with Charles Neal. Um, his website is antiquesbuiltdaily.com, and if you go there, on the right-hand side, there's a little link. Um, he's got a number of links there, but go take a look at, what do they call it? Video Tips and Techniques is the link that I want you to check out. He has a player um, chock full of videos with just a ton of information. And we know how we all love this video stuff. And, and you know, Charles' uh, presentations are no exception. It's really top-notch stuff. He's, it, I love learning from guys who just, you just, two minutes talking with them and you, you just, you know, the, the experience that they have just kind of, resonates through the whole conversation you just know that he's got a lot of life experience in the industry and um can just instead of like i do a lot of times i'll read about something and i'll study it and i might know a scenario based on theory 
and I can teach that to somebody. This is someone who's actually been there, done it, experienced it, and is giving you his opinion based on his experience, which is really cool. So, um, ton of videos. Have you watched? I mean, have you caught up with all of his stuff on there? No, actually, I, I haven't. I'm, I'm still trying to go through it. And you're right; there, there is a ton of stuff there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's in. Yeah, I, I think the first time I really noticed him was oh, his DVDs are at Woodcraft now, if I remember right. I've been uh-huh. seeing a whole bunch of. You, you were also giving away a bunch of them too, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, we actually—I think we still may have some when we um, we took a break from the giveaway uh, stuff for a little bit. But as soon as we redo it, we'll be uh, giving more of his away. Um, I, you know, since you brought that up, I'll talk about. Uh, I've watched a lot of his finishing series. He's got this huge—I don't know if it's like twelve DVDs. It's huge, and uh, I haven't seen every one of them, but I've watched about half, and it's really good. And if I think if you're um, experienced, and I guess call this a mini review. If you're an experienced woodworker, it's still worth watching. But I think just like as an experienced woodworker would have a problem picking up a Flexner or a Jewett book and going from front cover to back cover, you might get a little bit like, okay, I know this. You know, let's turn a few pages. Same idea, but it's still a worthwhile, um, you know, a, something to watch. There's just it's chock full of information, and it literally is as if someone wrote a book and put it into video and that's kind of that's kind of what it's like it's that thorough the things that he goes over so um you know definitely worth checking out he's got a lot of previews of that finishing series i believe uh at least a preview on his player there and it's it's a worthwhile thing to take a look at we yeah definitely i i would highly recommend people head over there and check totally and uh and he's a damn nice guy too to boot Although he he looks a little mean in the picture, he looks kind of like one of those guys. Like just do it. <laughs> he looks like he might be a little grumpy, but uh, but from firsthand <laughs> experience, I've had uh, I would say a good dozen or so conversations on the phone with Charles, and he has been uh, incredibly gracious and helpful, and has you know even on a professional level uh, has given me advice on things that I was going through with customers, and has been very very cool and very helpful for me. So I, I think he's uh, he's a stand up guy. Um, well, Definitely. we got one more one more on here, right? Yep, yeah, we do. And you know, there was something I actually came across just recently, and uh, uh, more or less, this is one of those tools that I'm like, mm, I'm interested to see if anybody's ever heard of this or if they've used it because um, it looks kind of. It's called the Final Cut Saw Blade, is what it is. I almost, call, almost called the Saw Stop, but it's the Final Cut <laughs> Saw Blade. And essentially, what it is is it's a ten inch uh, blade. And you can put it in your miter saw, or they even said that you could put it into your table saw if you're interested. But the difference is that it has a uh, sandpaper on either side. So when you're actually making the cut, the idea is that it's going to sand those edges for you. And basically, you're going to come out with a finished piece. Okay. So a little skeptical about how it works. Of course, you know I, I, I've been trying to... Uh, get more information on it since I, since I first saw it. And of course, I think the, the one place I, I saw it at about dot com woodworking i think is what it was was where i originally saw the uh the review of it and of course the reviewers like this is just gonna revolutionize you know <laughs> the the woodworking industry and you know it does everything and you know in in one shot it, you know it sands it and everything else and they're trying to you know say like you're gonna do like uh, um uh like a crown molding you know that way you don't have to worry about coming back in and finishing it up and everything because supposedly it finishes on both sides of the cut but you know, one problem is it's only a ten-inch blade, and I, I was, I'm still kind of skeptical about that sandpaper staying attached because you can take it off and replenish it as needed. Sure. And I think it goes up to about a hundred grit, which should be fine for most end grain. Uh, I think in, in the sense of if I'm just going to be cutting something and then mitering it, that, that makes sense to me. Hmm. But 
it's just one of those i'm like ah, see what everybody else thinks about it when they see that yeah i mean <laughs> definitely take a look at it i'm looking at it for the first time now and my first reaction is it must be 2 30 in the morning and i'm watching an infomercial yeah that was mine exactly too i'm like oh look at that but that being said uh i've been skeptical about things before and have been proven wrong um i don't know anything about it i have to test it out but wow interesting concept and i just don't really know what i think of it yeah that's i'm definitely i'm gonna have to play around with a little more and uh listen if if anybody happens to have come across this before we did and let us know what you think about it it'd be kind of interesting or yeah just What's your take be on it right now? <laughs> yeah, please do, because that, I don't know. And especially if anybody's used one, that that would be awesome. I'd love to hear about that. Right, absolutely. Hey, another one that I just found in, uh, uh-huh. in the news is um, Fine Woodworking Magazine. Of course, we're all familiar with the fact that Taunton Press, who is actually uh, with the parent company of Fine Woodworking Magazine, mm-hmm. uh, they have a whole bunch of popular titles. I'm sure everybody has at least one Taunton book in their, in their library. And if not, I'm sure you've probably looked at a few of them and thought, hey, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I will go to a bookstore or to the library or I'll look at them on, online, and I'm like, that is a really neat book, and I wouldn't mind getting that, but man, I, you know, there's only one or two chapters in there that I'm really kind of interested in. It's kind of like buying a CD, you know, there's like always like that one song, you're like, I gotta have it, and then you listen to the rest of it, and you're like, what the? I'm not paying for that. <laughs> right. So with iTunes, you know, you can, you can easily get just one song or something like that. Well, uh, Totten Press is trying something new, and basically they have a, a new thing where you can buy individual chapters from a, a certain number of books. I think they've only got like five or six up so far, but you can actually purchase these individual chapters that you want, download them as a PDF for like $2, or you can download the entire book from Totten Press for like $15 and wow. get it as a PDF. You can, you can do whatever you want with it because they're trying to get into like the eBooks you know, uh, whole market and everything. So, of course, they're going to keep the titles available as regular books if you want to purchase that. But this $2 for a couple of chapters, or a chapter, you know, so, I mean, if you only want, like, three or four chapters, it's, you know, like, what, six, eight dollars for it versus getting the whole book and being like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> right. You know, it's kind of a neat one. And of course, they have it up at their website. We'll make sure we have a link to it and everything. But I, I saw that, and I'm like, that's kind of interesting. I'm really curious to see how far they're going to take this and for how long it's going to go on, see if it really works out. Definitely. That, I think it's a great idea. That's awesome. Okay, we also have, uh, well, if you were interested in going to woodworking in America, you probably are very well aware that uh, the tickets sold like hotcakes. And um, we heard from a number of people, both Matt and I, that they uh, still had tickets for the actual conference itself, but uh, the hands-on classes were all booked up already. And it seems like, what, like a day it took? To- I didn't yeah, what do you think it was that when it comes down to it, man? It was yeah, <laughs> really it was crazy it was insane so yeah even when i was looking at those i'm like wait a minute i thought i just where the hold on wait a minute which, which class <laughs> yeah oh, no well and what is it the day each day is broken up into is it three segments or four it's like uh time time segments it's three, uh, three segments like, okay yeah two hours or something okay so for each time segment there's a lot of demo style classes that you can attend um and there is one hands-on for that that time frame and it's a total of three days so each one of those was booked, you know, so you got people who were like, look, I don't mind spending that much money if I'm going to get some hands-on time, but without the hands-on time, it becomes a, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, lecture. <laughs> yeah, it's just you're going to a lecture. So I can understand the concern, but I was amazed, amazed at how fast that sold out. 
Yeah, that was that was it was really crazy. Now, there's definitely a couple of listeners that we've heard from that it's just like one of those easy, easy. I'll see what I can do while I'm holding my fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> not getting my spot, buddy. I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I love you, <laughs> listeners, but you're not getting my spot. I'll tell you what the class was like. I'll brag a little, but <laughs> well, with any with any luck, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see what Chris will let me get away with because I'd like to um, for the the hands on classes that I'm not attending. I would love to be able to get some footage, you know, and sort of um, d- you know make a good recording and, and uh, slice it up a little bit so it moves a little quicker and put it on the web. That would be that would be awesome because I you was know? thinking about the album. Like, you ever see like those, you know, the movies where like at college where they like put the microphone in the classroom and then nobody's there. Right. I was thinking if I could the camera, just set it in there like nobody stand in front of this. Just what, keep this area open. What would be hilarious <laughs> is if we happen to be in one of the same hands-on classes and, and I'll let you do the hands-on and I'll just record everything and just <laughs> document your whole process. <laughs> there you go. That would be really interesting. <laughs> uh, yep. See how we really do it out there. All right. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> with, you know, I never held this before. What is this? <laughs> what is this? What is this hand plane thing? Yes, I only I only kid about being able to hold those. <laughs> right. All right. So jumping into the next huge segment that is really just my favorite and everyone else's favorite is the uh, the hot deals segment. And uh, yeah. what do we have here? You want to you want to take that first one because I don't remember any of these. I think I could take the first one to see under hot deals. These are so hot that they're hard to hold on to. All right, the, the very first one that we have coming up is, uh, let's see, we have Popular Woodworking apparently is selling their back issues for 50% off. I mean, now that's, that's a deal. Because how many times have you been looking for an issue that you're like, all right, I started with, oh, crap, that was the number just before this one. So then you got to go back yeah. and try and find it. So that that's definitely one to, uh, uh, to, to jump in there and grab that. I mean... I, I've got a, I've got a ton of back issues, but it always seems like the article I'm looking for is two behind that one, or the month I didn't go to the the, the bookstore and pick it up off the uh, off the shelf. So definitely check sure. that out. Yeah, that's a good deal. Um, now I have to double check and make sure that this is still active. But Woodcraft is having a little Bessie clamp sale. Uh, K body yep. clamps, twenty four and forty inch, are twenty five percent as a closeout price. And I will jump online right now, right now live. Just to make sure that this is still active, uh, yeah, it looks yeah, like the, a few left. It seems like those are pretty popular ones, but I'm I'm pretty sure they're there too because I was eyeing those up not too long ago. Yeah, it looks like they're still there. So jump on that deal. Who knows how long that'll be going for? But that's certainly a good one, right? You know, a, another one that uh, um, is, is out there, and actually, I think this is from Woodcraft. Also, is we've everybody's been talking about Simple Green because it's like one of those. Oh, I use Simple Green to clean this. Oh, right. I use Simple Green, to, and it, it is a great biodegradable product and everything so it's it's i mean it's right in the name green hello biodegradable. <laughs> it's got to be good it's green yeah exactly well they actually happen to have like those pop-up cleaning towels like the the dispenser like you know like yeah, i think we have some like for sanitizer or something uh-huh know, right something. but anyways they've got those uh again on sale at woodcraft and they're about 40 percent off maybe it turns out that they're not as green as they thought because it's the pop-up versions but you never know <laughs> right <laughs> but you still get the all, all you know get to use the, the simple green and it, it definitely uh it, it, it's such a popular product that hey I, I i thought maybe this would be a good one for everybody to check out oh, very cool now you know what actually i'm looking at that bessie deal and also taking a look at the rockler sale paper that just came in and they're having their big uh, garage sale event where just i'm not going to go through it all here but there's a ton of stuff that's been reduced 
Because every garage sale I go to, there's free kittens or a puppy. <laughs> yeah, free kittens to a good home. No kittens in the Rockler catalog this time, though. But I did notice 25% off Bessie K-Body clamps, and they say available 12, 24, 31, and 40 while supplies last. So um, definitely check that out, and that sounds like if you can't find them at Woodcraft, you'll probably find them there at Rockler. Um, but a ton of other stuff, like the the little six ninety nine for 24 foam brushes. You get those pretty cheap at Harbor Freight, too, but... Um, Definitely some good stuff in there, so I would check that out as well. The garage sale at Rockler. Hey, one more. I, ha- I have to do this. Yeah, go ahead. Everybody's- you know, we-, we talked about this actually in the last episode, but since it's the middle of July, um, of course, you know, Whiteside is their-, their router bits, all their individual router bits at Woodcraft, 10% off all month long. So if you happen to have seen me do a video on one and you're like, I got to have it, well, hmm. this is your opportunity to get it. So, terrific, terrific. Yeah. Good bits, good bits. Okay, uh, you know, our our topic for today as far as a a little feature that we'll do is really based off of an article, an excellent article in Pop Woodworking, uh, the August issue. And no, it is not about blue tape. What? I thought that was, that's what's in my show notes. Um, Hold on. (laughs) That's another fantastic article that you can check out in the August issue of Popular Woodworking. But uh, (laughs) today we're going to to cover an article by Mr. Bob Flexner on the seven myths of polyurethane. One of my favorite finishes, to be completely honest, because... It, to me, it's foolproof, or so they've told me. It can be. It can be. And if you if you if you listen to some of these myths and you subscribe to some of these myths, it's actually not so simple. It it seems like it'll be a lot harder than you would uh, really want it to be. So, uh, we thought this was <laughs> yeah. We thought it's that that was um, a, a really interesting article and some really valuable stuff in here to go over. Now, in fact, you read through this too, right? Um, yeah, I, fr- yeah. I actually didn't know about a number of these myths so this was really interesting a few of them i was like oh didn't didn't know that that was a myth yeah same here i, I kind of had the same reaction because there was like a couple of them also i'm like wait a minute that is not a myth that is a fact because my brother's cousin's butcher told me that's <laughs> right that's him all the time so how can he have that in here but it turns out that yeah that there were there were actually two or three for sure that i, I just kind of i sat there for a second and i'm like no that's what he's saying isn't right because i actually experienced that or so maybe I thought I experienced it because the more I read it, I'm like, well, actually, he's making sense. So. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is a lot of these myths are, are myths are sort of uh, perpetuated in forums and you just hear it. It's just you'll hear one person say it. Maybe, you know, somebody who works in a store, you'll hear this person say it and they just kind of propagate that way. And, it, and, and it's hard to to ignore these things. And, you know, Flexner even points out that there's some labeling on, uh, you know, like cans of finish that have taken some of these myths to an extreme and put them in their instructions, you know, how to avoid this from happening or don't do this and don't do that when, in fact, that's just kind of BS. Right. Oh, nice. The manufacturer misleading us. Great. You know what? In the finishing world, get used to it, right? I mean, it's all over the place. You just can't avoid it. So let's jump right in. It has anything to do with um, maybe being in enclosed areas without proper air circulation. (laughs) That that could very well be it, yeah. Um, Myth number one is to brush across the grain first to work the finish into the wood. This is one that I had never really heard before, but apparently the idea is the claim is that you really, to get it to soak in, you want to go cross grain first and then your final strokes with the grain. And uh, just to sort of summarize here, um, Bob says, all finishes soak perfectly adequately into the wood no matter how they're applied. Uh, They do this by capillary action, which is the same physical phenomenon that allows water and nutrients to rise from the ground to the top of a tree. So 
it makes perfect sense. I like I said, didn't really know that that was a myth. But in case you did think it was true, uh, that myth is uh, busted, according to Bob. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, that was one of those. I was like, whoever said that? Oh, maybe that's why it wasn't working for me. Oh, it turns what? out that it's yeah, okay. <laughs> right. All right. Myth number two was uh, thin the first coat fifty percent to get a good bond. And, uh, you know, it was, he's saying that this is an old myth that probably got started because of poor understanding of the roles of, like, primers used under paint and sanding right. sealers, sometimes used, like, under varnish and lacquer. And, you know, sometimes I have, I know myself, I've kind of thinned things out thinking that that would help with, with the drying effect and everything. But um, I never really thought about it as being a, a concern for getting a good bond. I always just kind of put it on there and it, it seemed to work out fine. So apparently... I might have been doing it right. Wow. Yeah, well, same for me. I looked at it and said, oh, thin first coat. And I'm like, uh-oh, you know, because this is something I've done a lot and have told people to do. But then he said to get a good bond. And I'm like, no, I never really thought about it for bonding. I just thought about it for ease of application. You know, your first sealer helps it soak in a little bit better, you know, and dries really quickly. There's the reasons. And according to the article, those are pretty valid reasons to do it anyway. Right. Yeah, I think he said that the the only thing that you really get from it, the benefit, is faster drying, but it has less to do with actual bonding, which is a very important thing because obviously you don't want the finish peeling off of, of the actual project itself. That's that's a whole other issue. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, um, you know, there's a lot more great information in here. He goes into more detail on sealers and the usage of sanding sealers actually having more of a negative effect uh, on a polyurethane than, than positive. So um, pretty good information, but a little bit beyond the scope of what we want to talk about here today. So definitely check out the article for that. Uh, myth number three, never shake the can or you'll introduce bubbles. Now, uh, I've heard this, but since I wipe most of my polyurethane, I don't really worry about it. But if you're brushing... Uh, this is definitely something that I'm sure you've heard and something that you've avoided uh, doing as a result. Uh, Bob says it's a very old myth. It's more misleading than uh, a myth so much because it's because of the fact that it's true. But the point is, is that it doesn't matter. He said that you'll get bubbles in the mix no matter what you do, and it's really the turbulence and, and the, um, the speed at which you apply the finish on the surface that creates those bubbles. And the way to avoid it is to go slow and, and take your time so you don't, you don't get that turbulence and you'll get a lot less bubbles. But the bubbles you generate from shaking or mixing doesn't seem to affect the number of bubbles you get when you apply it to the surface. Yeah, and see, that's that's the only way I mix things is by shaking because I'm just not much of a stirrer. I like mine shaking. Shaking, not stirring. Not, yes. <laughs> you know, and he did go on to say that actually, you know, you, you will probably get, are going to get bubbles anyways if you're using a brush. And so it's just a matter of, like you said, going slow with it to help reduce, you know, the, the way that the bubbles are getting on there from actually drying into the into the finish. So, right. yeah, definitely. Definitely a good myth. And it makes me feel a lot better because all my cans are definitely shaken. <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel better because every time I brush, I get bubbles. So, <laughs> Oh, they, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. All right. Let's move on to, uh, to myth number four. And, uh, oh, man, I always slaughter this word. Hey, but he says thinning with naphtha. Did I get that right? You naphtha. got it. You got it. Good boy. Makes dry faster. Yeah. Um, try and make me say that one after a Friday night. <laughs> 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 right. But, uh, anyway, myth number four, thinning with naphtha makes uh, polyurethane dry faster. And he says, well, naphtha evaporates much faster than mineral spirits or turpentine. Um, basically, the logic behind this uh, myth is, well, it's fairly new. Um, it's that the finish will dry faster if the thinner evaporates faster is kind of the idea behind it. But again, uh, it sounds like polyurethane is going to dry at its own pace. So don't hurry it. Yeah, exactly. It's oxidation that cures the finish. Uh, the evaporation of the thinner 
kind of gets it to the point where it's tacky and it sets a little bit and doesn't really move on the surface much. Uh, but it's oxidation, which you can't really speed that up, um, you know, by, by using a faster evaporating thinner. So, right. So you need to introduce more oxygen. Uh, well, I suppose you could put it into like a hyper oxygenated, you know, environment and may, I don't know, maybe that would make it dry faster. Now I got to get one of those, you know, uh, things for the divers when they come up too fast. It's like a hyperbaric chamber type thing. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? You got somebody with the bends? No, I got a project. I got to finish. finish no, it. I'm I'm in a rush. That's all. Um, all right. So myth number five: uh, thinning with penetrol reduces brush marks. Uh, penetrol is a slow drying oil product that lengthens the tacky stage of polyurethane uh, and oil paint. And I guess the idea is you add a little bit of this to, uh, in theory, let the finish flow out a little bit better and reduce brush marks. And Bob's point here is that although it may do that a little bit, what you um, what you save yourself and hassle in terms of brush marks, you create more problems by the fact that the finish now dries slower. And the fact that it dries slower means more dust, more debris, things are going to settle into the finish. And as we all know with polyurethane, the longer it takes to dry... Uh, the worse that quality of finish is going to be, unless you're in a perfect dust, you know, dust-free environment, which uh, I would I would gamble that none of us are. Uh, right. So, so the longer it's tacky, the worse off you are. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that one is actually the opposite of the the first myth, but oh, yeah, yeah, all these myths. <laughs> too much. So too many myths. <laughs> it's just uncontrollable. All right. Myth number six, and I, I've never actually heard of this one because I think this would have scared me a little bit, but slant the panel to reduce brush marks. Mm. Now, this was an interesting one to me because I've always tried to keep everything as dead flat as possible because apparently maybe I put it on too much. I put too much in my, in my brush or something, so I'm always worried about trying to get all those, you know, those, those drips as they're going all over the place. Right. So the last thing to think about is actually slanting it, but apparently some people feel that this is something that really helps them out. Now, one thing I know a lot of the brands claim to be like, you know, that they have a, a natural leveling agent in it. Um, I'm not really sure. Is, does he go to say if, that, if that's true or not? I have a hard time with that. What is it like one of those, like somebody's, something's in there going, right, everybody, stay flat. Don't move. <laughs> everybody get down now. <laughs> uh, stay right there. Hits it. Move over. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know for, I don't know for sure. Okay. Yeah. But, that's why I'm just kind of flipping through here real quick. I, I, don't, I don't see it there. So if, yeah, he says that yeah. some brands tend to level naturally better than others and i would imagine that's just a product of the formulation and maybe the you know the type of resin that's used in the poly but yeah either way i mean the bottom line is what you're going to wind up getting is instead of brush marks you you may potentially get sags right you get everything like down at one end you're like mm, we'll put that one up against the wall but a nice story yeah, Leo, yeah i mean you're <laughs> almost you're almost guaranteed i mean working when you're brushing on a finish your edges are usually the the area where you're going to uh, have the most problem anyway because naturally at the edge you get that sort of pulled surface at the very corner and tilt it to one side and that's going to make that even worse maybe i could use that for like a table like for my kids or something that'd be like the soup line so when all the food spills <laughs> it doesn't go on the floor <laughs> yeah, it just catches it and like controls it like a gutter <laughs> yeah very smart it's like a drip edge very nice okay who's is it me again i lost track yeah, you've got the last one. Here, number seven. All right. He says, myth number seven, scuff sand between coats to get a good bond. Now, this is interesting to me because this is something that I have passed on, and this is one of those things that I passed on only because that's what I've been told a million times, that if the finish has dried uh, or been uh, the last coat of finish was more than 24 hours ago, that you should lightly scuff sand the surface to give it a mechanical tooth, right? Yep. Well, Bob says poo-poo on that. What? He says poo-poo, Matt. 
I don't like that. That's such horrible language in my shop. Okay, well, he didn't say poo-poo. I said poo-poo. Okay, um, well, in that case. Yeah, but essentially he poo-pooed it. So, because well, I, I, I do that all the time. I thought that was exactly, because the idea is you've got to get that little scuff coat in there, and like you said, it's kind of like a key or a tooth, and it kind of yeah. holds in there, because polyurethane's like, i got to hold out for dear life, otherwise I'm going to go over the place. Yeah, well, he says basically the bottom line is the, the proof is of, of this is the fact that when you sand between coats, you never really sand the entire surface. You know, you, you just kind of really get the high spots for the most part. And that, uh, you know, you don't really have a problem with polyurethane peeling off. You know, he's like, when, when's the last time that you saw layers of polyurethane separating from one another? And I'm like, hmm, True. good point. Um, I just thought it was because we were all following the rules. Which, exactly. I was following the manufacturer's instructions. <laughs> which you know is not true. So he makes some great points about scuff sanding in between, and he said it, you know, even though the myth may be busted in the sense that you will get perfectly good adhesion if you wait, you know, a day or two between coats and things, but the point is you still want to sand anyway because, you know, the way polyurethane dries, we're just talking about dust nibs and things getting into the finish. So what are you going to do to solve that? You've got to scuff sand between coats. So it just makes sense to do it anyway. So really interesting point because he's, you know, sort of says that it's a myth, but at the same time, the uh, what was a solution to the problem brought up in the myth is something that you should still be doing anyway. Um, and he said, on the, I think he mentions here also, which is something that I like to do, on the last coat is when you want to really you know, thin it out a little bit uh, and do your last coat so that it, the thinner layer dries quicker and you have a much less chance of having things settle into the finish and you don't have to sand. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, no, nothing is worse than when I do all my finishing out in the garage and then my wife pulls in with a nice dirty car. And <laughs> that's a blast all the time. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's the last it's coat safe. is always the problem. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, cool. I think that that's about it, unless you got anything else, sir. No, I'll just remind people, if they want to check out that article, definitely check out the latest issue of Popular Woodworking. Other than that, I think I am ready to maybe head into the shop for a little bit of fun time until the next time that we talk, I would have to say. Absolutely. So, that sounds good. If you, yeah, if you heard something today that you want to leave us a question, maybe a comment, expand a little bit, find out a little bit more about Twitter or any of these things that we've talked about, you know what, you can get a hold of us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or like I said, pick up that phone and call us at 623-242-2450, and we definitely look forward to hearing from you. Absolutely, and just want to thank everybody. We're doing a little test run in the chat room right now. We're uh, broadcasting this live, so there's a, a few people in the chat room uh, enjoying the soothing sounds of uh, Mark and Matt. And um, yeah, yeah you want to uh, like nails on a chalkboard? <laughs> yeah, that's more accurate. Um, so hopefully, in the future, we'll be able to post uh, notices when we're doing this, and maybe we'll we'll just try and do it more often. But gotta make it convenient, and that's what I'm trying to do now is, is work out the kinks. So. Uh, right. Thanks to everybody in the chat room for listening, and uh, thanks to you for downloading and uh, and, and listening to our uh, soothing sounds. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So until next time, happy woodworking. Don't cut your fingers off and all that jazz. That's right. Take care, everybody.